Hi, I'm Ron Coleman, a partner in the Dillon Law Group, social media legend and free speech enthusiast. When I started the Coleman Nation podcast in the spring of 2021, its focus was on free expression and censorship on the internet. But as important as that subject is to me, which is very important, I felt hemmed in in the podcast. I wanted to spend more time talking to the interesting people I've met in my legal and free speech work without feeling a need to have them all make the same point. So I culminated the first series of the podcast and have started the second series. I hope you'll enjoy these conversations as much as I have recording them. Hey, culminators. Today we have a repeat guest. You know the repeat guests are the very best. This is Nicole Solis. Nicole Solis is one of those people who is fighting for the country's future, for her children's future, your children and my grandchildren's future. She has done everything you possibly can to get the school board in a little Rhode Island town super mad at her. And thank God that she has. Nicole, welcome back. Good to see you. Hi, Ron. Good to see you too. So remind our friends how we got to this point, if you don't mind. Okay. Again, I, I invite people to, to, to look at our earlier episode. We'll put a link to that, uh, Jeremy, in the uh, in the description. But Nicole is is you know has become basically a, a member of our family at the Coleman household. You know she's one of the Rhode Island gals. Um, tell the story if you don't mind for the, the elevator version. Okay, so in 2021, I enrolled my daughter in kindergarten, and I wanted to know what she would learn. I called the principal. I contacted the school committee. They told me that they were teaching all these political ideologies like gender ideology, CRT. And when I asked more questions, they told me to submit public records requests because they didn't want to answer any of my questions. And then when I submitted hundreds, because they said any question you have has to be a public records request, my school committee threatened to sue me in a public meeting. They put my name on the agenda. They spent four or five hours talking about me, whether they should sue me, what a bad person I am, called me racist. And then two months later, this is after they decided not to sue me, the teachers union, the NEA, the Rhode Island branch, filed a lawsuit against me for the same public records requests to bully me and harass me for submitting those requests. So we've been in litigation for now almost two years, and um, we have finally made it to the discovery process after, you know, really just wanting to go to trial and get this all over with because my attorney said this is a slap suit, that they're just suing me to bully me. Um, but they want to go through with discovery. So here we are. They get to discover me and I get to discover them. Did you make mo did you make an anti-slap motion? I don't, I don't know what kind of teeth the Rhode Island anti-slap statute has. Yeah. So my lawyers answered with anti-slap. And um, now the only fact question that remains is whether, and this is a very rare exception, it's only in a few in a few states, it's whether my public participation, which they sued me for, was a sham. And so the teachers union is arguing that I didn't really submit public records requests to really get information about my what my kids would learn. They're saying it was all a sham, which under Rhode Island law is defined by um, your public participation being objectively baseless and subjectively baseless. And that also has requirements that you have to meet to prove that. And too. that's why there's discovery because that can't be decided on a motion. As, as long as they assert the defense of a, of a sham, 
they get out of a, a dispositive motion, which is, I mean, I, I, you can understand in and of itself why the sham exception might make some sense, although it doesn't seem to be a feature of most of the, or maybe not a, maybe not an explicit feature. I think it, judges can always determine that you haven't really met the standard. Okay, I don't want to I don't want to get into the weeds here. How about standing? That uh, that would have seemed to me like a kind of obvious grounds for, to dismiss their lawsuit. Yeah, I mean, well, two years ago, the Goldwater Institute, which are, which are my attorneys. I mean, we thought this was a pretty open and shut case that they didn't have standing to bring a case. I'm requesting public records to my school district and the teachers union is a third party that doesn't have standing to sue me for that. But miraculously, because we're in Rhode Island, somehow a Rhode Island judge, um, you know, kind of did some voodoo and found standing that allowed them to sue me. Otherwise, you know, if 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 the law had been applied properly, and we found that there was no standing because we have a Rhode Island Supreme Court case saying there is no standing for them to bring this suit. Well, then this all would have been done two years ago and we all could have moved on with our lives. But, um, you know, forces greater than, than than I want to drag this out longer. And um, and, and why, did, why do they want to do? I mean, they can't really think that they're ultimately going to win or or they just decide. Are they thinking that there are enough Rhode Island judges out there that event that you know, they'll get they'll get what they want from Rhode Island. Well, you know, the teachers union, they and and the, the unions in general, they kind of run the state of Rhode Island. They, they run the courts. And, you know, this is not this is this is customary practice for them. I mean, there's a Rhode Island teachers union case, the same union that sued me. They fought tooth and nail uh, back in like 2005, defending a teacher who was molesting students. They took it all the way to the Supreme Court. They made children testify as to what happened to them. And, and ultimately they lost. But I mean, I, I think they're willing to use their money and power to scorch the earth. I don't think they have a moral compass. I don't think they know when it's time to just like maybe not sue people for, for these things just because you want to win on everything. So this is not out of uh, like the usual for the teachers union, at least in Rhode Island. But you've I mean, you have really turned this around on them in terms of, you know, media attention and you know, you're, you're a celebrity now, of course, you're a famous person, you're welcome at Mar-a-Lago, I assume, all the time, and, you know, are pretty much the toast of the town uh, in the conservative world, uh, you know, uh, or you should be anyway. What, you know, uh, listen, you can't read their minds, I understand that, but I just strike, you know, it's one thing to smash bugs. I mean, look, Randy Weingarten, Miss NEA, the most destructive, one of the, I called her, one of the or the most destructive single person in American public life of, of, the, of, the, pre, of the last several decades. Uh, because of this kind of mentality that she has been a leader of, even she felt a need to walk back her, her obvious refusal to, to go along with any policy that would have opened schools earlier during the COVID lockdowns. So, I mean, there does seem to be it may be in Rhode Island, it's different from in other parts of the country. As you're saying, Rhode Island uh, seems to be run by the unions. It, it, you, know. you know, I mean, they, they they can settle at any point, you know, because at the end of the day, they're they're getting billed for their attorney doing all this work on this case. And I'm not losing any money. I have wonderful lawyers that are free. So I don't really know, like, like you said, I, I don't know why they keep 
kind of like hitting themselves and thinking they're hurting me. Now, so, they, but they're they're um, they're the thrust of their claim, right? Is that is that you're you're impinging on the privacy, the privacy of the teachers based on your request for information about what they do in the classroom. Right. Right. And if you, and, and in the, <laughs> right. And, and I don't, you know, you know, first of all, we're doing with public records law, right? There's, there's no expectation of privacy in public records. And if someone, because remember anyone can request anything, you can request a meatloaf recipe from your public school district. I don't recommend you do it because yeah, I don't, that would be a probably very low on most people's list. Right. But, you know, they're saying that if public information about critical race theory comes out in my public records requests, they are predicting that teachers will be harassed by national conservative groups. So that is their argument. It's it's obviously not a legally sound argument, but, um, you know, it's it's they're the ones that have the sham by suing me on something that stupid because they're public employees. And if they're teaching critical race theory or, or talking about it in their official capacities of, of, as teachers in their emails, which is what I requested, um, well then that's public information and that's a matter of, of public concern. And I don't think they thought it was gonna get this far in litigation. It's also speculative harm. I, I mean, this is just, this is stuff. I mean, it's a, it's a, just amazing to me. Not as amazing as the, maybe it is as, as amazing as the opinion that I, just read from the first department appellate division in New York. I mean, the judges these days, they're something, huh? They're really something. Let's leave yeah. it at that. Yeah, we got we got some problems happening now, with now you shared you shared with me something that is uh a, a piece of discovery that was pretty pretty uh, fantastic. You want to describe it again, what they were asking for? Yes. Yeah, so the teachers union wants all of my emails my text messages, my written conversations, my oral conversations with anyone ever from the past two years about my public records requests. And they were very meticulous in saying, you know, even if you mentioned public records requests, if it's related to your public records requests. So I, I don't know if, if they want really think it's best to have like a list of like thousands of people that are on my side that I talk to about my public records requests so they can like, trot them into depositions like i don't know how that's going to help them but the point is is that but if is they so want to prove that that you i mean the, the only thing i can imagine that goes to is the sham claim right but any the sham claim would have to i would imagine that they take a picture of what was your subjective motivation when you file the public record requests not a year or two later unless yeah. unless those texts would say this has worked out great, that unrecorded conversation that you and I had two and a half years ago about someday let's do public. I mean, that doesn't usually happen. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they're they're starting with when I started filing public records requests and they want to go to the present. So like this conversation right now, sorry, Ron, I'm, I'm probably going to have to report you to the Stasi teacher union saying that I had this conversation with you. And yeah, well, you know, they they won't subpoena you. But but yeah, they're they're somehow trying to show that I, I didn't really want public information. And I, I, it's like really impossible for them to show that because my school told me to do this, right? Like one of the prongs of, sub, of, of a sham is that your re my request would have to be subjectively baseless. And that means that I could not have realistically expected success in procuring government action result or outcome. Well, I mean, I'm doing the thing that my government told me to do in order to 
realistically expect success in procuring government action results or outcomes. So it's like, but you never, know, but no, no, I, I cut that off at the legs. You never really wanted the, you never really wanted the information in the first place. You just wanted, you, you knew that you had to ask for it in order to get the school to tell you to file a public records request. But wait a minute, says Nicole. If I didn't want it in the first place, why still did I, If my, and my purpose is to harass teachers for what they're doing, how would I find out the names of the teachers and what they're doing without the public records request? Answer, I wanted to get sued. <laughs> that was my real motive. Right. I, I, I planned this whole thing. I, I, I had a baby so I could enroll her in kindergarten five years later, then ask what she was learning. I knew that they were going to get upset. I knew they were going to sue me. I knew that all of this would happen. And, you know, it was this master plan that I planned out with, you know, omnipotence. I knew everything. And that was one of the things I picked up when we first spoke was that omnipotence. However, as omnipotent as you are, have you what have you learned since we last spoke about how this what's going on about I mean you you have become, you know, one of the nodes of influence on the issue of parents rights. Uh, you know, you've been you've had opportunities to be on, you know, all kinds of national media and stuff. What do you know now that you didn't know the last time we spoke? Um, I have learned that everyone on the left is not earnest. They're not really trying to stand up for kids. And it's, I mean, I don't want to sound too cynical, but it, it's almost a waste of time to convince people on the left that you really just want to protect kids and you really just want to know what your kids are learning in school. They're never going to believe you and they simply don't care about having a middle ground. Um, there's going to be no meeting of the minds. And that is why I think it's important for conservatives to be more aggressive and um, not to feed into their, their hands. You know, like when you when you're debating them because they are always trying to trick you and they're always going to try to mangle your words. And then the other really big thing I learned is is how profoundly corrupt the media is. It really isn't until you find yourself as a subject in the media and you see them lying about you and you see them misquoting you and doing it on purpose and how you really don't have any power unless you sue the media to um defend your reputation when they when they try to, to smear you. And, you know, your media having a free press in America and believing in them is, I mean, I, I don't know of anything more fundamental for, for free speech. I mean, it's so just, I'm so depressed by it because there's so much work to do to correct it. And I, I don't know if it's redeemable. I, I think I think you're I think you're right. It's hard to imagine redemption because there's such a lack of embarrassment. I mean, we're recording this the day after the Durham report. Think of it what you will came out, but what it certainly does is demonstrate that everything the press told us 
about Trump and Russia was wrong. Was right. wrong and, and 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 that they almost certainly knew it was wrong. And so far, I haven't seen any embarrassment or any mea culpas. Uh, I think it is only the development of alternative channels. And the world of podcasting is one of those. So when is your podcast going to begin? You must have, surely you've gotten offers. You know, I've had people in the media that have interviewed me tell me that I, I should do a podcast or, you know, like a YouTube channel. But the truth is, is like, I just don't have time. You know, my, 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 my son is going to be going into preschool, um, like a, a more formal preschool next year. And now that's happening. Like I really want to. White tie or black tie? Uh, what? Oh, <laughs> um, and you know, now that's that that's happening. Like now I can volunteer in the school now that, you know, I don't have a, a baby at home. So, you know, the more free time I get, the more I want to be with my kids. And it's a little overwhelming for me to, to think of like, oh, I have more free time. Let me do something else other than my kids, because, you know, that isn't why I did this whole thing. I didn't, I wasn't like in search good of an answer. That's a good answer. Because remember, yeah. if, if you would have said to me, yeah, actually, I'm entertaining quite a few opportunities right now, then that would be used as proof of <laughs> what your real motivation was, which was, to be, you said, listen, I, you know, I know I'm not a, a terrible looking lady. And I went to law school, and I, you know, I didn't really want to practice law, but I'm rather facile with words. And he, here, here's my plan. <laughs> well, but you know what, I, I'll, I'll see you on that. I'll, I'll up you on that. Even if I did say that, it wouldn't matter because that's all after the lawsuit, right? Because, you know, none of the media and all the attention happened until the teachers union sued me. It, you know, I wasn't submitting public records requests and like doing interviews as I was doing it. Like that, that all happened because I had, I had to defend myself in the public eye, you know, a second. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. There was a moment there when you were, when that video of you at, at the school committee. Yeah. That's what you Rhode Islanders call school, what we call school board, right. the school committee, where you basically, you know, they were discussing suing you. Right. And you kind of made it clear that they were going to regret it and they backed down, but that you anticipate, and if I recall correctly, and I'm not sure, I think we spoke after you got sued by the school, by, by the, by the, by the teachers. But I think you, that video went viral, right? You know, wasn't that? So there was kind of a yeah. moment there. That's when right. the media so, strategy was developed, I assume. Oh, yes, yes. The evil media strategy, right? Yeah, yeah. My school district thrust me into the public eye and I was like, aha, here's my chance. Everything I always wanted to do. Right, because the fortunes that flow from, well, I mean, some people do do very well at this. Others, others are just, you know, bold lawyers who, you know, find self-actualization through it as, as one of my partners put it. <laughs> uh, no, but I also, I mean, in, in all seriousness, what your answer also tells me is that this has always been to you about educating your children and yeah. not really anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, if they had only just like sent me the current curriculum they were teaching, if only they just answered my questions, I did everything I could to try to get answers. I, you know, sent an email to the principal with all my questions. I, I mean, I didn't even know that my school had a link for public records requests until they told me about it. Right. I mean, I was really very naive about 
how this all worked with public school. I had no idea that they were going to perceive me as this adversary and, and really come down on me with the full weight of the public school system and teachers union. Right. I mean, in other words, you, you were naive about the idea that you couldn't just ask and find out. Right. Aren't we on the same team? Right. Aren't we on, you know, the team, right? Your principal is your pal. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, and ever since then, I've had parents in my town outside of outside of my town and like other towns in Rhode Island, they'll, they'll find me on Facebook and on Twitter and be like, Hey, I'm having this problem with my school. What do I do? And so it's this like realization that I think a lot of parents continue to have as they enter public school where they go, Oh God, how does this work? I thought, I, I thought if I just enrolled my kid, I, you know, I, I thought if my kid needed a IEP or, or a 504 plan, I like, I thought this just happened. It's like, no, nothing happens without a fight in public school. And mine just happened to be, um, big and, and publicized, but there are tons of parents like me out there that, you know, they're just desperate for help and, you know, no one's paying attention to them. No, they're, no, they're not going to get an interview because their kid is dyslexic and not getting the services that they need at their public school. So, um, you know, it, it ended up being a blessing in disguise. I, I just told my husband last night, I was like, you know, if I could go back in time and just like enroll my kids in public, uh, private school, I, I think I just would have done that because, we were just so happy, <laughs> like, you know, like we just, we really were so lucky. We had no, no cares in the world aside from like the normal stresses of, you know, everyday life. And, um, you know, while I'm really grateful that I have this platform now and I can hopefully make a difference, I just think, you know, it's just, it wasn't what we wanted. So. Yeah. I mean, and you know, and at some point your child is going to learn about this and find yeah. out why everybody knows who mommy is yeah and, and why some people in the you know um in the in the, in the supermarket give her the you know the, the hairy eyeball i mean you have well had... i will say that i've only had people come up to me and thank me at the supermarket so really? yeah I've, i haven't had any bad people try to harass me in person it's all online harassment now um, you did get kicked off Twitter, though. You are kind of a dangerous person. Now, you, how long were you off? More than a year, right? I think it, it was either six months or a year. I lost track. Um, and, uh, you know, think, thankfully, it was because of Elon and another organization called um, New, New Tolerance. They had a campaign to try to get me back on. And um, their campaign kicked off, I think, right around the time that Elon Musk came on as CEO, and so the stars aligned, and I finally got back on. Remind me what they what they you had actually had been kicked off, suspended for brief periods before, right? Yeah. So I don't know what kind of like three strike policy Twitter had. I'm sure they had whatever strike policy they wanted against whoever they wanted, but um, I kept getting suspended for telling the truth about transgenderism and kids. And finally, I had a tweet where I said that there were public uh, elected representatives in Colorado who were promoting a drag queen camp for children. And I said that this was state sanctioned grooming and Twitter permanently suspended me for that tweet. And, um, you know, there was, you know, nothing hateful about saying, well, this is grooming kids into a culture that they are too young to understand. It's adult sexual content. And we have public officials that are supporting it. Um, I am still banned from Instagram. I don't know why. I never even posted anything on Instagram, literally zero posts, but 
they banned me from from Instagram. But you're on and, Facebook. But I'm on Facebook. Same company. Yep. Yeah. So that's probably why it's a Facebook uh, Facebook operation. And well, wait a minute. But you're on Facebook, but you're banned from Insta. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Okay. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. And I had no post on Instagrams. And I did their whole process of like, they make you submit a picture of yourself with some code that you write on a paper. I don't know. I did it. And then, yeah, they still decided to ban me. So how ha, has this affected your own political views? I mean, I guess you did answer that by saying, I basically, I, I no longer view people who were on the left as being open to having honest conversations about these issues. Yeah. And I used to be on the left. I, I was really liberal. I mean, I, I thought that being liberal was um, about standing up for people's civil rights. You're, you're standing up for the little guy. I mean, I was um, pro-choice. I'm not anymore because I, I, my eyes have been open to the horrors of what is paraded as civil rights and equal rights. And it's it's not really what they're they're saying it is. So that's um, that's astonishing to me. That's ast because, you know, I mean, to me, it makes it makes perfect sense. You're, you're saying things that are music to my ears, but you you could cert I could certainly see a person, not Nicole, uh, but I could see a person saying, these people are really, uh, they're traitors to the liberal values that I hold dear. And you, you don't think, you know, doesn't Comrade Stalin know what they're doing in his name, you know, and you nonetheless, you've changed your views on a wide, on a, on a wide variety of social and moral issues. Yeah, yeah. And I think having kids was really a, a big part of that, you know, that is definitely a thing for some people for some people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's really easy to be, you know, like, punching your fist in the air, believing that you're standing up for people. And then you have kids and you you see the harm that leftist policies can do to children. And then I started seeing the harm that leftist policies do to everyday, do to, do to adults because they're so ripe for government abuse. And so now everything I look at, you know, that that sounds like it's triumphant. And that sounds like it's rooting for the underdog. I go, oh, how is this going to be abused by people in power? This this is kind of a sham, isn't it? And um, I used to think that everything was more earnest when I was before I had kids. So that's that's a really important point I want to zoom in on, because what what you're saying is, you know what you're saying. What I'm, well, but the point that point is, it's easy to take your goals whether they're to acquire power or to feel good or about your better about yourself or maybe even for the reasons that you state them to be which is what about the children but by draping them in a veneer that may be a mixed metaphor metaphor by placing over them a veneer of good intentions i'm the one with good intentions the people the the people on the left believe that they have they they've proved their point that they're they're virtuous and you're but can, did you ever imagine that a mother wanting to know what's being taught to her children could 
that there could be a morally someone could assert a morally superior position to that no <laughs> no you no, don't because like you know even even people who disagree with me philosophically or ideologically you would think would be like well, well okay look even if you think it's awesome that schools are transing kids and encouraging mental illness in them don't you at least want to know if that's happening like 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 let's just be totally crazy and say like you want a school to trans your kid well how are you going to know which school is best for you if you don't even know what's happening i mean i tried to get really absurd to show them how absurd they are but it still doesn't work they just move the goalpost and change the subject because they don't want to be moral or right or or sometimes they don't even want to be virtuous they just want to win and that ultimately comes down to narcissism right you just you're competitive with everyone and um your your own narcissistic goal of overpowering everyone and having control over everyone is I think what drives a lot of leftist policies and, and liberals. Like I once had a, um, an argument a, a while ago about this transgender stuff in, in school and a mom that I knew our, our kids went to preschool together, you know, just laid in on me about like, Oh my God, these, these poor children with gender dysphoria. Um, I can't believe you think this is just a ploy to get men in, in, in women's bathrooms. Right. It's like, well, but you do realize men are going to go into women's bathrooms because of this. And aren't you at least worried about your kid being endangered? It's, and it's just like, no, no. And so these blinders go up and I'm like, you know, it's all about um, making yourself feel good, making yourself feel like you're the hero. And it's, it's um, gosh. I just, you, so you must've been operating though on a, on a baseline of fairly traditional values that had just never really been challenged before because you're saying things like you're going into the situation saying things like i want to i'm a a i'm a parent and therefore i have the predominant interest and right to know what's going on with my child as opposed to the state or the union and number two i want to know if it's if the things that my child is learning are acceptable are okay based on some you know some criterion that again a slightly different point from the first one but you you're not just going to defer morally uh to, to to you know the flavor of the week and i guess to some extent this goes to your point that when you have kids you start really realizing what these you know law school hypotheticals really amount to in, in real life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that ultimately I always had more traditional values. And I think something that um, a lot of people don't really talk about is that when, you know, starting in public school and of course, even in the very woke private schools, I think people with traditional values are really pressured into denying their instincts, right? That that's something that feels wrong. Like, you know, even though I was pro-choice, um, it I, it was always like uncomfortable for me, but I felt like, oh, well, I'm doing the right thing. You know, I like, I can't. Right to choose. Yeah. How can right I be choose, against like, choosing? Choosing yeah. is, is like, what could be more good? What could be more ginchy than yeah. being able to, to choose? Yeah. And, and so I, when I look back on my younger years, um, in terms of my values, I always, remember feeling pressure and and like really a denial of, of my instincts which i now see was sort of 
a part of that indoctrination. You know, you're, you're bullied into feeling bad about your own convictions. And as a kid, it, you know, it's not overt bullying, but you're like, oh, I'm in a classroom with everyone else who is, is like nodding along with what the teacher is saying. I guess I have to do that too, because you really don't know that, you know, this is a time for you to develop your, your own convictions and, and your own courage of your, your convictions. And so it took like all this happening to me to be like, oh, this, this is what I really believe. I don't, well, and then yeah. that's just one thing. I know I keep coming back to abortion because it's, it's become such like an issue again, but um, it, it, that realization kind of informed all of my other more conservative values where I'm like, you know what? I don't care. This is what I believe. And I believe this because I think it's best for the future of my kids and for the future of, of my country. And, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to back down on, on what I believe because a bunch of people that I don't respect are bullying me. Well, and, the, and that's the irony because you know, as you pointed out before, well, you would have, you, you would have been just as happy to have avoided all this, but at the end of the day, sooner or later, you have to come to terms. In other words, if you're going to say, listen, I'm going to just be, I'm not going to think too deeply into things. I want to feel good about myself. And I want to be with the people who think of other people. And that's the Democrats. And that's going to be, and I'm going to be, that's going to be fine. And I'm going to be with them. What you find is sooner or later, you're going to come up against an issue that they're not going to find except uh, some view on some topic that's not going to fit the check boxes. And there's no, you don't have the, it's not an a la carte option. It's all or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people in my position, like other moms that, that have been fighting this um, indoctrination in school, they've lost family, friends, you know, acquaint it's really more acquaintance acquaintances. And, you know, in the beginning it was like, Oh crap, they're not talking to me anymore. But then, I, then it really just took five seconds for me to be like, Oh, Oh, well, you know, like, you know, we were going to fight about something eventually if, if you're just going to like ditch me as a friend over me wanting to know what my kid is learning in school. So I don't want you in my life either. And I think the more people, you know, accept those risks of like, well, I'm just going to start hanging out with people that think more like me because that's who I want to surround because my we kids. rock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it seems to me that, that, you know, that you, I mean, really it's, the, this is a conversation I've had with a lot of people who've been on the program, uh, who, you know, who've had that stark, the moment of stark reality that they just can't keep checking off all those boxes. Yeah. And there is this tremendous social pressure to go along, to get along. And, you know, this is really true for people in certain areas. You know, if you were in a law firm now, you, you can't even, you know, there are people who feel they cannot speak up in, in many, certainly large law firms. They have become co-opted entirely to one point of view or even yeah. in law school. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. And, um, I just saw Bill Jacobson from legal insurrection. He, uh, made a statement about the Rhode Island Supreme court possibly like looking to adopt a new continuing legal education credit that you have to go through DEI. And so, I mean, it's just coming at you at all angles that you have to go along to get along. And, um, unfortunately, if, if a lot of people do that, I think we're going to be seeing some really bad consequences like 10 years later, you know, it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. 
the world is built on people such as yourself who who do the right thing and are prepared to put their name to it uh because people are inspired by you not and not everyone has the advantages of a Nicole Solis because you have a legal education and you and and you have the income that you can you do have the option to send your kid to private school and you are good on tv you know so all those things for goodness sake if you do have those things how do you live with yourself if you still if you still want to go go along to get along and just and just be another you know non-playing character out of millions like you but does it ever kind of scare you to think that i mean do you think people like you are in are the majority or the minority of people in the united states oh i think they're definitely the the majority and um i just you know like what what is the point of having you know personal power in your life like you said i'm able to send my kid to private school um i i have the skills to do what I'm doing now just by chance, right? You know, I never planned this. Um, for me, if I didn't do this, I would just have a pit in my stomach like every day because for me, it's, it is more painful to live under the thumb of someone, you know, oppressing you. I know oppression is more of a leftist term, but it really is what's happening than it is for me to sort of like keep my head down. But I know for some people, you know, it's more, they get more anxiety from fighting back. And I think that's because they don't understand the consequences of keeping, keeping your head down and that those consequences will come years later when your, your kid is like a completely different person than what you raised them to be, because you just kept your head down and and let them go to school and learn all of these political ideologies that aren't really your values. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just like an instinct that, that you're born with, or if, if, you know, people really are, you know, trying to make the best decision, but, you know, I will say that like my husband and I, you know, we've, we've missed out on stuff in the past two years that like, we wish we could have just done, you know, like a lot of my time is taken up by, um, you know, media interviews that, that I have to prepare for. Um, it, a lot of our time is taken up by just, all of the stuff that happens in the background when you're, sure, when you're fighting. Is, I'm sure this has filled a lot of your life up. Yeah. And, you know, it, it hasn't been easy, but it's still, you know, worth it. You know, once, once you're in it, because you're going to meet people that like, I've met such extraordinary people that have inspired me. I know you keep saying I've inspired others, but like, oh my God, that the people I've met are, are, are my heroes, like, especially at independent women's forum which is now an organization that I became a fellow with again. I didn't even know what a fellow was. I never even heard of this organization, but you know, the stars aligned so that they could help me get a better platform to say what's happening to me. And, um, you know, hopefully get other people to stand up and make a change too. But, um, yeah, I guess in my very garbled way, what I'm trying to say is that it is worth it. Even if you're scared, to you know, ask questions of your public school to fight back when you have a teachers union suing you, because I think we're entering a new era where we have more conservative organizations that are ready to fight for parents. Um, 
And that's because of the media exposure, right? You can see the power of parents that are standing up to their school districts, but we still need parents to keep taking advantage of those opportunities for organizations to help you, whether it be with um, you know, free, free legal help because they're pro bono organizations or with um, parents being in the media and, and saying what's going on. Fantastic, Nicole. Thank you. Great to great to talk to you again. Let's talk again soon, and um, keep keep us posted as you do. Any any anything anyone should be looking at? Should they be donating to the Goldwater Institute? Should they anything for you to anything to push here? Yeah. So some really great organizations, Goldwater Institute. They're my attorneys. Um, you know, they're doing a lot to help parents now. They. Um, they have a new thing that they're going to launch for parents soon, I don't want to say. And um, Independent Women's Forum, where I'm a fellow, we have an education freedom center where we're always trying to promote school choice and educate parents about the woke ideologies that are in school. Um, and I always love promoting legalinsurrection.com because they broke my story and were really instrumental in, in helping me. All right. So here's, here's Goldwater Institute, just as you would think. It's there on the goldwaterinstitute.org. Independent Women's Forum, and this is where people who want to learn, who want to be an independent woman, they have to probably really be a woman, but who am I to say? Not there's <laughs> anything wrong with that. Okay, and of course, legal insurrection, here are people fighting much of your fight. Yep. Not so far from you. Yep, and that same lawyer, Greg Piccirilli, um, that got these teachers back their jobs after they refused the COVID vaccine. Um, he's also my local counsel for the teachers union lawsuit. So we love Greg. Impressive. Yeah, he's Greg's great. a great guy. Give him my regards and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks again. Thanks, Ron. Hey, thank you for listening to the Coleman Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please rate it five stars and leave a review. For more information, please visit the show's website at coleman-nation.com. That's coleman-nation.com. Or you can visit my blog at likelihoodofconfusion.com. Join us next time on the Coleman Nation podcast and have a great day. <laughs>